0: Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, hey, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. And the question that I want you guys to ask yourselves right now is what is the value of your network? And I would be pretty sure that the answer you would give is, well, I'm not sure. And that's something that I think every small business owner really struggles with. They hear the term network and they automatically think of networking events. And that in itself comes with some kind of stigma, which is sometimes problematic for us in terms of growth and connections. And that's the issue that we're going to challenge today. And I'm so honored to welcome to the show a guest who has achieved so, so much in more than 30 years of entrepreneurial and corporate leadership experience. And actually, my guest today is the author of How to Be a Power Connector, The 550-150 Rule, which in 2014 became the number one business book at time.com. Wow, what a fantastic accolade. So welcome to the show, Judy Robinette. Thank you, Mark. Delighted to be here. It's a real pleasure and congratulations, so, so much. Congratulations on the book. That sounds like a, an exciting journey.
1: It was. And and you know, totally surprised me. I I found out about it on Twitter and I was so excited, I almost fell out of my chair, and then I got up and did the happy dance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would have liked to have seen that one. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I'm blown away that you found out about it on Twitter. How did that occur? Um,
1: you know, somebody just tweeted and said, you know, congratulations, your book's number one. And it actually was by an Inc um, top blogger. So it was listed as as number one in the top 10 books on Inc. And then it was picked up by Time and others. And suddenly I started getting congratulations and, and <laughs> I had to go look. I didn't even know who the people were that did it. So it was a, a great day.
0: Oh that's fantastic. I'm so so pleased for you. And uh, just before we ta- kind of dive into the episode, let's just let's just frame this episode around you, Judy. Let's just dive into your background a little. What is it? You actually do, you know, where did you come from, where do you specialize?
1: Ah, uh, you know, I I grew up in a small town in Idaho and I tell people I was so shy and I was bullied in high school or junior high. I wouldn't have dared talk to anybody even if I and I didn't know anybody of money wealth or influence and uh you know started uh, life in the corporate world and and one day kind of hit the wall and i thought you know i'm working really really hard keeping my head down being ethical but i'm not really getting anywhere and I figured out that I needed to learn really good emotional IQ skills, interpersonal communication. And part of that was networking. And, and honestly, Mark, I was so shy. I grabbed the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People and started saying hello and smiling and and, and found out, you know, most people liked me. And helped me kind of get through the barrier of being shy. And then, um, you know, my first company I did with an SBA loan of $1.2 million, of all things dumb me, I did a franchise restaurant. I mean, like, how stupid was that? And, and almost went bankrupt, was able to turn it around and sell it, then became CEO of a public company for about nine years. Um, and, and I'm heavily involved in the entrepreneurial world. I sit on two venture capital early stage boards. I'm an advisor to... Springboard, which has helped women founders. We've had 11 IPOs, 145 strategic sales and raised $6.6 billion. So I love everything to do about entrepreneurs. I still dabble in, uh, I don't dabble, I sit on boards, I do deals. and But I, I wrote this book so people would understand all the resources they need are out there. And particularly for entrepreneurs, I found out they're, you know, often knocking on the wrong door or in, they're in the wrong room. You know, they're looking for money in all the wrong places.
0: That is is such an interesting journey. I mean, let's just talk about back in the early days there. I mean, that franchising a restaurateur franchise and, and a loan of that amount of money, that's not a small thing to start with, is it? How did you arrive at that?
1: <laughs> you know, being dumb, being naive, <laughs> honest, honestly, I... Uh, I was at MIT, I'd given a speech at MIT on influence and power and somebody handed me a Wall Street Journal and they had done this study on how to become financially independent in the United States. And it said there's five ways, be a doctor, be a lawyer, inherit it or marry it. And I thought, well, the first four are out, and number five was start a business. And I thought, geez, how hard could it be? And oh my gosh, so, you know, one of my friends said, you ought to look at a franchise because, you know, everything's been put in place and it'll be pretty simple if you just work hard. And, you know, we did well. We did over a million annually, but there was always the ups and the downs and the market was too small for the concept that I had bought into. And, and, and honestly, Mark, I thought I was going bankrupt. I went to an attorney just shaking, you know, with my financials. And he said to me, you're not even close to being to being able to file for bankruptcy, and I said, "Well, what do I do? I'm out of money." I mean, I was terrified. I could barely get up in the morning, and I thought, "Well, okay, I'll I'll be persistent. I'll see if I can figure this out." And I did. And then I sold that, and then I got a lot smarter. Um, I was asked to vet a little unknown company in Park City called Skull Candy when they also were broke, and you find out most entrepreneurs hit these walls all the time, and so. Uh, I worked with them initially with a couple of their first investors. And as you probably know, two years ago, they went public with a market cap of $550 million. So, you know, I left the corporate world, did the franchise restaurant, you know, took those lessons to heart, decided that, you know, failure really isn't an option. There's very few things out there that can kill you. You just learn, pivot, go to next,
0: I think that's such a powerful lesson. The idea that I put so fantastically, there are very few things out there that can kill you because we turn these, you know, seemingly huge problems into these gargantuan problems. And when we face them head on, nothing's really as bad as it seems, is it in business? Because, you know, there are always ways to turn around. No. And
1: And, and it's always the way you gain wisdom, Mark. And, And recently somebody sent me an email and said in Hebrew, there's two words for Fear and the the first one is like that gut-wrenching panic where you're you're in terror fight or flight they call it the lizard brain but the second one is good fear when you're stepping out of your comfort zone and and getting on with your your dream and your vision and i wish i would have known that distinction when i was younger because that would have really helped me because uh you know people say i have lots of wisdom and i say well of course i've had so many bricks to the head problems You know, one of my favorite quotes is by Oprah, and she said, learn to feel the feather on your cheek. If you don't get the feather, you get the brick to the head. And if you don't listen to the brick, the wall falls in on you. And sometimes, you know, I had this stupid idea. If I just worked harder, worked harder, worked harder, it would work out. And if I I would have been so much better if I would have gathered an advisory board early on and had been able to look at my blind spot, as Jack Welch said, get better reality.
0: It's such a, you know, hindsight, such a massively powerful tool and actually learning to listen to that intuition a little bit can save some of those, I guess, some of those lessons. It's certainly been learned the hard way. It's, it's something that I think a lot of us forget, you know, that gut feeling is, is something that we can all listen to a little bit more as well. But as you say, everything's a lesson and it's why we're here. It's why we're all entrepreneurs. It's why we're in business. At the end of the day, if we wanted, if we wanted safety, we wouldn't be doing this, would we? No,
1: no. We'd be sitting at our corporate jobs getting nauseous Sunday night about going to work on Monday morning.
0: <laughs> oh, I remember those <laughs> that's what, days. That,
1: that's what I used to do.
0: <laughs> I also remember those days. They were dark, dark days. <laughs>
1: and and you know, that. the the good news is, you know, I was so thrilled to find out I was a an entrepreneur and and, you know, my my book really is about strategic networking. And the reason, you know, I wrote it, Mark, was to solve the tough problems. And the tough problems are getting funded. So there's only two reasons startups fail. Number one is lack of a customer. And number two is lack of funding. And so, you know, having networks are absolutely critical. And a matter of fact, in the VC world, there's a guy that he said to me one day, You know, if if somebody can't figure out how to get to me, they can't figure out how to get customers, I will not fund them.
0: Well, that's a very interesting take on that. That is very, very interesting. And we actually talked about this in a little bit in the pre-interview chatter. you know, the idea that there's so much power in just asking and just, you know, if you can, if you can have this life of mutuality, if you can do something for each other, then why not just ask? We're all a little bit scared of that, aren't we? We are.
1: And research shows if you were raised lower to lower middle class, kind of like me, uh, you don't ask. You were taught to, you know, work hard, keep your head down, and you think people are going to notice. And it's a fairy tale. You know, you you have to tell people. And and a matter of fact, as you know, Mark, I teach people what I call my two golden uh, questions and two golden rules. And, you know, after you share your story, then you ask number one what other ideas do you have for me? And number two, who else do you know I should talk to? And, and it's brilliant because Pew Research shows, on average, we know 632 people. Uh, and for you to ask someone, then they're quickly kind of going through their head. You can literally see them turn their head and they go, oh, you need to talk to Paul. Or here's some great ideas. So it gives you the best information that's in context to your goal and then the best people to talk to. And this is how I have billionaires in my Rolodex. I mean, literally, I was shy. I started admitting to people I was shy when I was 38. And they laughed at me. And I found out it really wasn't that I was so shy. It was I didn't have good confidence. I you know, thought, what do I have to value, a value to share, and why would they want to talk to me? Well, the reality is there's 7 billion people on this planet The global private wealth in the world projected by Credit Suisse for 2019 is $369 trillion, trillion dollars. Countless opportunities, we couldn't count them, information doubling every six months. So those are all the critical resources it takes to develop either a personal goal, professional goal, build a business. And the secret is nothing happens without people. People are going to write the checks to invest, You know, you're going to need people on your advisory board to be smarter, all of those things. And so it's it's really important to learn how to be strategic.
0: I think the, what you said there about, you know, not having that confidence to talk to people and not, you know, believing that you're perhaps not worthy of talking to the types of people you'd like to talk to. I think that's a real challenge for some people. And it's almost a, it's almost a, listen guys, everyone, as you say, everyone is a person. It doesn't matter who they are. They've got their own set of values, their own set of ethics, and they are just people. And if you're the kind of person that they will get along with, or that they value, then why would they not talk to you? It's it's you know the the, the whole social media world this kind of transparency, the internet age, the information doubling every six months. It's brought this, I guess, more of a level playing field about, hasn't it? You can connect with yes. people.
1: Yeah, much you can easier. have access to people on LinkedIn, Twitter. Just in the United States, there's a thousand incubators. You know, humans are are uh, social. You know, we're kind of like chickens. We flock together. Well, investors, you know, their big problem is they're looking for good investments. And so where do they flock? They go to incubators. They're looking at pitch events where they can find a good deal. There's, you know, angel groups all over the world. And and by the way, Kaufman research shows that 90% of high value Startups are funded by angels, not VCs. And and there's a good example where how important it is to do the research and make sure you're literally in the right room. Because, you know, I was always so sad to meet someone and they've got a wonderful idea, budding company, and they're just going around in circles because they're not, they don't understand funding strategy from the beginning. You need to have it all the way to an exit.
0: That's that's something that I find so as you say, so not upsetting, but it's so saddening to see so many strong personalities and so many strong people with such strong ideas, as you say, just swimming around in a circle and, you know, kind of getting back to the topic of the networking. I find it really interesting that we actually forget that we've got someone, at least someone in our network, no matter who we are, that can help us get to the next stage or yes. to the next level. Yeah. There's always someone, isn't there?
1: There is. And, and you know, you've hit a really good point, Mark. So uh, a big mistake is people don't utilize the network they already have. And one thing I have people do is just, you know, write down 50 people or 100 people that they already know. And just the process of writing it down helps you figure out connections you could make, introductions between each other. But it also shows you the gaps of where you could make that network, um, you know, stronger. And And I'll just share Uh, a story. So Mike Muni, who's the founder of Axe Software, kind of the father of the CRM industry, uh, is friends with my book agent. One day she called me on the phone and she said, you know, he built and sold Axe Software for $48 million. He's now got the top app for connections called Viper and it's free on iPhones. And she said, I think the two of you ought to get together. You could maybe figure out something. And so we met and I said, you know, Mike, I've never heard of your app. What are you doing for marketing? And he kind of went through a few things and he said, you know, if I could just get an article in Success Magazine, I think that would really help me get the word out. And I looked at him and I said, Mike, when you go back to Texas, I want you to call my agent who I've known less than six months, who you've known for six years. One of her best friends is Darren Hardy, the founder of Success Magazine, and he literally almost fell off his chair. (laughs) And and this happens every week with me, Mark, that people don't understand that they've not met with their network and said, hey, you know, I'm starting this company. This is where I'm at. And do you have any ideas for me or do you know anyone I should talk to? Because you never ask investors for money. You always ask for advice.
0: I love that. I mean, that's such a cracking anecdote. You know, the... (laughs) The idea that he'd been with the same agent for six years and not realized is just, it's so typical of how we all go about our daily lives. We're all sat in these little silos. And one thing I want to pick up on actually is that the counter counterintuition around that advice, you know, and not only seeking the advice from people, but actually offering the advice, the idea of mutuality. And, you know, the idea that it goes against the traditional view of networking to yes. actually... You know, we very rarely turn to an event or to any anything really with the intent of giving something away in terms of value.
1: Yeah, and I That's hate so the word important. networking. And, <laughs> you know, most of the networking events are a waste of time, probably 95% of them. So if you go to these events and they don't have people that are smarter than you in the room or have resources that could offer you, you're in the wrong room. And, um, you know, I talk a lot about this, uh, you know, in my book. So a couple of very, very good things you can do is join a powerful organization. You can go visit ACG, the, you know, Association of Corporate Growth of all mid-tier companies. And they have CXO level people. It's a global organization. It was started in 1954. Uh, they have a, a networking lunch. Uh, they have people that are new stand up and say what they're doing. It's a great organization. Another thing, if you can get involved and volunteer for a political organization, I did this and that's how I met my first two billionaires. And and I'll give you another story. So this this young man was recruited by a uh, big bank in Salt Lake City, and he he came to Salt Lake, which is rather conservative, and he's black and he's gay. And in two years, he had built this massive book of business. And I said to him, how did you do this? You come from outside. You don't know anybody. You're not the typical guy in Salt Lake. And he just looked at me and smiled and he said, I joined the symphony. I paid a little extra on my ticket so I could go beforehand to the little get together and have snacks. And he said, that's where all my customers were.
0: That's really, really important to remember because You see, especially in small business, you see so many people kind of taking action, but it's not action that will ever, ever do anything for them. It's kind of this false positive motion of attending an event because, well, I'm attending an event. So yes, I'm doing something, but it's not, there's nothing in it for them or for anyone around them because everyone's there for the same reason to throw out cards, to talk about what they do and to actually just really just kind of just give off their own peacocking, their own style. And it's not, there's nothing in that, but so many people put too much focus on that, don't they? It's just about, they, you know, you know it's, they
1: it's, do. And I hate those meetings. You know, you feel like you're in a group of piranha, you know, everybody's <laughs> running at you for the card and you never hear back from any of them. And, uh, Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger says out of a hundred people he meets five are keepers. He definitely wants to know them. 20. He doesn't want to see again as long as he lives And the other 75 are opt-in, you know, let's wait and see. Do they return their calls? Do they create value? So I talk about, you know, create value immediately with people. You can offer an introduction. You can offer to share uh, a report or some information. And, And the truth, Mark, is all of us have problems. Every single person has problems. And we all have solutions, if nothing else, a kind, listening ear. And the thing about mutuality that is so important is people judge within seconds of are you a caring person are you warm you know it's like that stranger danger which by the way doesn't work for adults somebody asked me well you can't really change your mind when you get older and i said really what did you think about sex when you were eight years old and what do you think about it now you know clearly we can change your mind and and so that really should be the the focus on how you can add value to another person And again, Mark Burnett endorsed my book. It's on the front cover. And I didn't know Mark, uh, but I found somebody who did kind of know him and had been invited to a dinner. And I called him and I said, you know, what does this guy need? And he said, you know, we just filmed the movie, The Son of God, with his wife, Roma Downey, spent 16 to 18 million they don't really have the kind of money like a, a big studio would for marketing, and he's trying to figure out the marketing. Well, I did some research. I found out he had the Catholics behind him, the Baptists behind him, these different groups, but he didn't have the Mormons, which, you know, the headquarters is in Salt Lake, and I had some, some connections. And so I kind of figured out some ideas for him. He ended up taking me to dinner. Um, I got his wife in a couple of newspapers, a couple of TV things. We've ended up being friends. And um, he endorsed my book. And so I say to people, everybody's got a problem. You can figure out a value proposition. And so my basic formula is really quality relationships. You don't want bad actors. You want people that are gonna have your back and have your future plus strategy to your specific goal. And so instead of just going to these meetings, hoping, hoping you'll meet the right person, you start with, what is my goal? Where would these people be hanging out and then let me be scrappy and figure out how to go meet them. And then I'm going to ask those two golden questions. What other ideas do you have for
0: me? Who else do you know I should talk to? I love that idea. And, and the way that I tend to approach networking as well is I, I kind of came to the conclusion that it was pointless attending these things as you, for all of the reasons that you stated there, Judy. And I, I decided maybe a couple of years ago to go about this slightly differently. So every event is really well pre-screened. But the first thing that I tend to say to people is, tell me, what is your ideal client? What would they look like? And let me think if I know anyone that fits that bill. And the amount of business that I've got by asking that question and trying to help other people is just, it's outstanding compared to going out and throwing 200 cards at people. It's, it's, it's another world, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And it works. It just works tremendously.
0: It really, really does. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And actually, that's a fantastic segue into the actionable tips section of the show. As you guys listen out there know, excellence expected is all about taking action. So Judy, I know you've kindly spent some time putting together three actionable tips for the listeners. So let's just dive into the first actionable tip, please.
1: Um, you, you know, the uh, first one is remember those two golden questions that will get you everywhere. This is how I have billionaires, my Rolodex, actors, you know movie producers just dream if you just did those you would build a very robust wide network um uh, the second one is i would rethink my assumptions and beliefs around networking i hate the word myself you know i grew up shy uh, i was afraid to talk to people rethink some of those beliefs and assumptions because study after study shows your network equals your net worth and so i would write that down And then the third thing is I would take a piece of paper and just start writing the key people that you have now. So research shows our first circle is five to 15 people. That's our friends and family. But really look at that next level out of 50 people and see if those are the people you need to get to your goals. And, you know, certainly utilize the network that you already have, but also look towards building one that
0: will help you get to your goals. I think that's really powerful. And I love the quote that your network is your net worth. I think that that's, I've not heard that before and that it makes so much sense. But the other thing that I really like about that is the, is the second tip there, which is change the beliefs about yourself. You know, it's very rare, especially in the context of networks and, you know, networking and building relationships. It's very rare that you hear that to look Inwards and realign your own beliefs and build that confidence. Is that something that people generally struggle with in your experience?
1: Yes, uh, you know, I, I gave a speech to sixteen hundred uh, professional women in San Francisco on March tenth, and people literally followed me into the bathroom to ask me questions. and And research shows half of the people in the world identify as shy, even though they're not. And it's this thing of self worth that's holding them back. And I think a lot of it just boils down to fear. And, you know, as long as you're alive, you're going to be afraid. And if you don't deal with fear, it just gets worse. My favorite book out there, and it really helped me when I was much younger, was Fill the Fear and Do It Anyway. And it it points out, you know, if you just start doing some little actions, and that's what I did. And, you know, now I went from being shy to I even interrupt people at Starbucks to talk to him. You know, I recently heard a couple of young men talking about their company And they'd done everything right. They had pivoted three times to make sure they had a good revenue model. But when they started talking about finding investors, they had everything wrong. And I turned around and said, excuse me, I'm an investor. Could I just share a little advice that may help you? Well, they took notes for a half an hour. And at the end, the one guy said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I just finished writing a book here in this bookstore. And they said, what's your book about? And he said, you know, I'm a vice president of Overstock. We have 15 million hits a month. We'd love to have your, your book represented. And, you know, when I called McGraw-Hill, my publisher, they almost fell off their
0: chair. <laughs> you do a lot of chair falling. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and probably at my age, it's probably break dancing instead of regular happy dancing. But, you know, you just when you start talking to strangers, I mean, you've got to if you think about people in your life, usually your mate or whatever. At some point they were a stranger. So you're passing up really good people all the time. Just start learning a few of these skills.
0: Do you know, it's, I, I really, really love that idea. And I was talking to John, uh, John Lee Dumas at Entrepreneur on Fire a while ago, and it, I was on his show and he, he said, you know, what's the one piece of advice you give to people? And almost instinctively, I'd not, I'd not prepared it. I said to him, give everyone the time of day because they deserve it. Never say no to talking to anyone. And I don't know why that is. It was just a conclusion that I came to. And everything that you said throughout this episode kind of validates the idea that if you interrupt someone in Starbucks, who knows where that could lead.
1: Yeah, and it happens all the time. And, and, you know, so it's just kind of getting a little scrappy. You just only have to get a little courage. And you realize half of the other people out there are shy, introverted, and are wondering... But the reality is everything you need, there's a match. So you need funding and investors looking for a deal. I mean, literally somebody has got a solution for your problem and they need you, which really kind of turns the tables. And most people don't realize that I have people call me and they go, you know, there's nobody out there investing. Well, six months ago, I had a gentleman call me that had a billion dollars looking to invest. Trust me, there is money everywhere. It's getting in the right room.
0: Yeah. I, I love the idea of getting in the right room there. I love that idea. And and not necessarily realizing how close you are to the door and really starting to look around you so close into your network because yeah. that door, it may be just there yeah. waiting for you.
1: I gave a speech uh, last year and, you know, half of the, somebody raised their hand at the end and said, how would I find funding? And so I asked the audience, how many of you here are trying to find funding? And about a third of the hands went up. And then I said, how many of you here sit on a VC board, have been an angel investor, somehow involved in in this community? Another third of the hands went up. <laughs> I, I mean, there they are sitting right next to him in chairs.
0: That's amazing. That is That is just mind blowing. I mean, it's. We see at any level of business, you know, When I think a lot of the clients that I work with are small businesses and and more often than not, the problems that they have are solved by someone that one, they already know, but actually people that they wouldn't think would be able to solve that problem because they've never dug any deeper into what that person can do. And I find that baffling.
1: Yeah. And you know, you have to ask every once in a while, somebody will ask me something and I don't right off the top of my head, know where to go. I'll send an email out to 10 people mark. And every time I'll get an answer. And it's usually not from the person I guessed. You know, you just don't realize every person, you know, knows 632 people. And also your influence is limited to a friend of a friend of a friend. And that's why it's so critical to have quality relationships and, you know, that key 50 group. You don't need gazillions of people on Facebook and LinkedIn. They can never help you. You just need, you know, 50 to 150. And that's, you know, the reason my book title is 150 is because groups fall apart at 150. Even Roman armies, the groups were limited to 150. So you don't need to spend hours of day of doing this and having gazillions of people. You want people who will really care. And, And I used to say I'd only let people in my network who had a good head, a good heart and a good gut. And I finally boiled it down to, is this person an Oprah or a Martha Stewart? Now they're both billionaires. They're really good at what they do. But based on my values, I'd go with Oprah. So you need to have people that really
0: care about you and your future. That's fantastic. And Judy, actually, we're just coming up to time. That is such a good, good place to put a pin in that there. And I'm sure there's so much more that we can talk about. So we must book another session on this because it's such an interesting topic. And just before we wrap up, actually, Judy, could you tell the listeners where they can connect with you online, please?
1: Sure. LinkedIn, Judy Robinette. There's no E on the end of Robinette. My website's www.judyrobinette. And I am an avid Uh, Twitter. And so Twitter is at Judy Robinette. And and I have lots of resources on my website as well. And I'm uh, uh, starting to put together kind of a group coaching program for how to get funded. And we'll have VCs and angels and really good
0: advice. Fantastic. Check it out, guys. Well worth a look, judierobinett.com and over on Twitter at judierobinett. And guys, thank you so much for listeners. We thank Judy once again for joining me. And don't forget all of the show notes, everything that we've spoken about today is available over at excellence-expected.com. And if you are listening to this on your way home, tired of being stuck in that late traffic, don't forget that whilst you're over on the website, you can download the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. I promise you, if you check that out, it will help you get home to your family much, much earlier. Until next time, folks, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.